Some words he slurred, hurrying over them. Maybe he was tipsy. Ah, you don't remember me, he said, do you? Of course I do, Quirk lied. Billy Hunt, you used to say it sounded like rhyming slang. We were in college together. I was in first year when you were in your last. I didn't really expect you to remember me. We went for different crowds. I was mad into the sports, hurling, football, all that. While you were with the arty lot with your nose stuck in a book or over at the abbey or the gate every night of the week. I dropped out of the midson. Didn't have the stomach for it. Quirk let a beat of silence pass, then asked, What are you doing now? Billy Hunt gave a heavy, unsteady sigh. Never mind that, he said, sounding more weary than impatient. It's your job that's the point here. At last a face began to assemble itself in Quirk's labouring memory. Big broad forehead, definitively broken nose, a thatch of wiry red hair, freckles. Grocer's son from somewhere down south, Wicklow, Wexford, Waterford, one of the W counties. Easy going but prone to scrap when provoked, hence the smashed septum. Billy Hunt. Yes. My job, Quirk said. How's that? There was another pause. It's the wife, Billy Hunt said. Quirk had a sharply indrawn breath whistling in those crushed nasal cavities. She's after doing away with herself. They met in Bueller's Cafe in Grafton Street. It was lunchtime and the place was busy. The rich, fat smell of coffee beans roasting in the big vat just inside the door made Quirk's stomach briefly heave. Odd, the things he found nauseating now. He had expected giving up drink would dull his senses and reconcile him to the world and its savours, but the opposite had been the case, so that at times he seemed to be a walking tangle of nerve ends assailed from every side by outrageous smells, tastes, touches. The interior of the café was dark to his eyes after the glare outside. A girl going out passed him by. She wore a white dress and carried a broad-brimmed straw hat. He caught the warm waft of a perfumed skin that trailed behind her. He imagined himself turning on his heel and following after her, and taking her by the elbow, and walking with her out into the heat of the summer day. He did not relish the prospect of Billy Hunt and his dead wife. He spotted him straight away, sitting in one of the side booths, unnaturally erect on the red plush banquette, with a cup of milky coffee untouched before him on the grey marble table. He did not see Quirk at first, and Quirk hung back a moment, studying him, the drained pale face with the freckles standing out on it, the glazed desolate stare, the big turnip-shaped hand fiddling with the sugar spoon. He had changed remarkably little in the more than two decades since Quirk had known him, not that he could say he had known him, really. In Quirk's not very clear recollection of him, Billy was a sort of overgrown schoolboy, by turns cheery or truculent and sometimes both at once, loping out to the sports grounds in wide-legged nicks and a striped football jersey, with a football or a bundle of hurley sticks under his arm, his knobbly pale pink knees bare and his boyish cheeks aflame and blood-spotted from the still unaccustomed morning shave. Loud, of course, roaring raucous jokes at his fellow sportsmen and throwing a surly glance from under colourless lashes in the direction of Quirk and the arty lot. Now he was thickened by the years, with a bald patch on the crown of his head like a tonsure and a fat red neck overflowing the collar of his baggy tweed jacket. He had that smell, hot and raw and salty, that Quirk recognised at once, the smell of the recently bereaved. He sat there at the table propping himself upright, a bulging sack of grief and misery and pent-up rage, and said to Quirk helplessly, 
I don't know why she did it. Quirk nodded. Did she leave anything? Billy peered at him, uncomprehending. A letter, I mean. A note. No. No, nothing like that. He gave a crooked, almost sheepish smile. I wish she had. That morning a party of Gardi had gone out in a launch and lifted poor Deirdre Hunt's naked body off the rocks on the landward shore of Dolky Island. They called me in to identify her, Billy said, that strange, pained smile that was not a smile still on his lips, his eyes seeming to gaze again in wild dismay at what they had seen on the hospital slab, Quirk grimly thought and would probably never stop seeing for as long as he lived. They brought her to St. Vincent's. She looked completely different. I think I wouldn't have known her except for the hair. She was very proud of it, her hair. He shrugged apologetically, twitching one shoulder. Quirk was recalling a very fat woman who had thrown herself into...